Okay, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Our youth had an extraordinary week at camp, and I know we're anxious to hear about it. We can't wait to hear about all that happened there, but we're gonna do something with your youth leader, Meg. We're gonna um, do a video montage of your testimonies and stories and what God did. So we'll have that in about a week or two approximately, because we love you guys and we wanna hear your stories. So about what God did. Um, Michelle, I forgot to connect with you. Do you want to? Okay, come on up. Michelle, let's, yes, let's welcome Michelle. Let's always welcome one another with that warmth. I love that. So Michelle Rodriguez, Mama Rodriguez here. <laughs> um, over the last year or so, Michelle and I have been talking about baptism. And she has been baptized twice before in different contexts for different reasons. But she had been wondering if she should be baptized again to declare a newfound faith in Jesus that she has and a new desire to declare her um, love for him and her desire to follow him. And so she wanted to share her story of her baptism. And so um, we're so grateful to hear from you. Hi. Um, yeah, so um, this, we just got the opportunity um, last time to go to science um, with a church of a friend. And there, while hiking, I got baptized. This was two weeks ago. And I'm so happy. So this was the thing with this is this was really unplanned. Like, I got baptized twice. I was very young, but I know that I did get baptized because I love Jesus. My love for Jesus is since. Uh, um, so I, I didn't feel that I have to be baptized again because I always have loved Jesus. Um, but I, I started to study, to learn more from the word of God. And during a class with Aaron and Sarah, Aaron told something. I can't remember what it was exactly, but what I remember is God told me clearly, you have to be baptized. Since that moment, that was two years ago. That was the first course. I don't remember the name of the class, but yeah. Roots. 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 Yes. Um, so yeah, he told me that I have to be baptized, but something never felt right like never here we i um i would come here i came here and i saw a lot of baptisms and i asked the lord and i didn't feel it like i didn't feel it and until that very moment we were there chilling in the water they were talking about baptisms and the holy spirit told me this is the time and it was like so powerful like everything around me just disappeared everything came perfectly um and i got baptized and it was so so beautiful because i just uh, everything disappeared i was listening to the nature to the river and i can see the celebration in heavens like I don't know how to explain and I didn't know if I have if I should say this because for some people it's like oh 
crazy. I don't know, but now I can see heavens. I can see uh, Masaya, Masaya, like over there on the other side. Yes, it's, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but that's how I I see it. And I wanted to share with this community because this community has been part of my journey. <gasps> I have I haven't seen Jesus in a lot of these people in I love you oh I love you um and with this I was asking the Lord okay I have to I want to give my testimony but my history is so long I don't know how to put all together and he told me this so usually I like to write and put all together nice to share it but this time I didn't do it. I'm just gonna tell what he's telling me. And he wants me to tell you that he needs your time. <laughs> Sorry, when he talked to me, it's like, I can't resist. So he needs your time. He's telling me how I'm gonna talk to you if you don't have time to listen to me. This life, this routine, these kids, this job, this home, you have it because he has given to you. So why do we put him aside and we just give the time that is convenient for us? He understands he's so merciful, but he's also a jealous father, but just. Since I began to put my time and sit with the Lord, I began to see incredible changes in my life. So that's why I invite you. It's hard, it's not easy, but everything that is worth it takes sacrifice, right? So I'd invite you to take daily 15 to 20 minutes minimum. If you can do more, do it. But to be realistic, 15 to 25 minutes, sit with the Lord, disconnect from all around, find a quiet place and talk to him and take that time to listen to him. You will see incredible changes in, in your life. So we need, we have to live with him and not for him. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Can you show Andy, please, some of those pictures quickly? We have this one. This is Zion's spontaneous baptism. You know that can happen. That's what happened with in the book of Acts in chapter 8. There was a spontaneous baptism. And that's what happened here. Next one, please. And next one, there's the next one. She's with Henry. And then the final one. There you go. See that look? Isn't that beautiful? So thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing your story. For some of us, it takes, for me, sometimes it's just two minutes being still before the Lord <laughs> on a busy day. Sometimes it's just two minutes, but I'm getting there to 15 too. Um, we're in a series where we're talking about listening to God and talking to God, hearing to God and listening to one another. And um, so it's a series, so it's a huge topic to cover, and we're just doing a few bits at a time. But Sosanes, could you come up here? I talked last week or two weeks ago about a book called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy, and it's, the title is You're Not Listening, What You're Missing and Why It Matters. And if you could just stand like right here. Um, I asked him ahead of time if he'd help me. He said yes. 
And Kate uses the analogy that when we talk with one another, when someone says something to you, if it's as if they're tossing you a ball, oops, I did not mean to hit you in the head, I'm so sorry. They're tossing you a ball, but half listening or not listening, you're totally just missing the balls, right? You're totally missing the conversation. You hear the words I'm saying, right? So as you hear what I'm saying, but he's not getting what I'm saying. So what is the first thing we teach our kids? And our, if, I know we have athletes in the room, but even long before we were athletes, what is it that our parents said to us or the adults or the others in our lives said to us? What, what's the first thing they say? Somebody give me a, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. The other thing that if you're standing there and your eyes are on the ball, but your hands are at your side, what's the other problem? Put your hands out. Put your hands out and keep your eyes on the ball. Put your hands out, keep your eyes on the ball. Let's see, if, let's see, I'm nervous now. Can I catch a ball? Look, I can still catch a ball even when I, <laughs> yay, even with my left hand. Okay, thank you, Sosimus. So this is just a picture for us to remember, um, even with what Michelle was saying, just taking time to sit and listen and fix our eyes on Jesus. Open our hands in a posture to receive the conversation, because God is relational. Someone asked me this week, I was on a walk with my neighbor, and she said, who do you think God is? And I said, well, I just read Luke 4, where it says God is spirit. And I was like, okay, well, I said, God is spirit. And then I said, but God is relational. That's the first thing I think about with God. God loves me. God wants to know me. God just doesn't love me from this far off third heaven far away. God wants to hear my voice. God wants to speak into my ears. And I just love that. So this whole series is about recognizing this God that we worship wants to speak to us and be in relationship with us. Today, the message title is A Heart to Listen, Our Hearts Towards God and God's Heart Towards Us, Having a Heart to Listen. And I'm gonna talk first of all about um, different ways we can listen to God, and then I'm gonna talk about a bunch of ways God listens to us. And we're gonna have a little story in the middle as well, not just Michelle's story, but someone else's story. So the day after we started this whole series about listening, uh, my devotional app, yeah, on my phone, which I have no idea what comes next because you can't look ahead, started on the questions God asks us. And I was just so thankful. I was like, Lord, I'm so glad I was listening. <laughs> and you just I feel like God is feeding me daily through my devotional, even to pour out to you guys. So I just thank you, God, for your faithfulness, that even in my devotions, God's doing something in me that I can give to you. But on July 10th, Iswe Nikosi, he's got this great South African English accent, and he's been leading the devotional lately. He took us to Mark 2. And in Mark 2, the passage is all about 
um, Jesus is meeting in this house and all of these people are crammed into this house. They wanna hear Jesus' teaching, they wanna come and get healing and so they've all stuffed themselves in this house and there are Pharisees and scribes and religious people. Scribes are the people who wrote down the scripture and copied the scripture over and over again for everyone. So they knew scripture, the law, the Torah, they knew it like the back of their hands. So they're all there crammed in this house and then there's these four guys with their disabled their paralyzed friend and they're like we want to get him to jesus and so they're trying to go through the front door they can't go through the front door they can't go through the back door so we all know what they do they climb up on the roof tear open the roof and drop their friend right down at jesus's feet i mean i just love that i mean what friends what friends now some people though are not happy those scribes those religious leaders they are not happy with this and so i want you to listen to mark 2 verse 6 through 12 and i want you to pay attention to the questions being asked mark 6 or 2 verse 6 now some of the scribes those religious leaders we were talking about were sitting there questioning in their hearts why does this man jesus speak like that he is blaspheming who can forgive sins but god alone and immediately jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves said to them why do you question these things in your hearts which is easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven or to say rise take up your bed and walk but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And so the man rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So were you paying attention to those questions? Four ordinary people come to Jesus full of faith, and as a result, their disabled friend meets the God who forgives sin and heals every sickness. But the scribes, the experts in the words of Scripture, missed the point because they came as critics seeking to find fault. And Jesus asked, why do you question these things in your hearts? The questions for us today is what kinds of questions are we asking? What are we listening for? What are our ears attuned to? Iswe Nikosi, I'm not sure I'm saying his name right, but he says, he asked himself in the devotional, I wonder what is in my heart? Am I listening for the voice of Jesus eager to believe or have I become clinical, cynical and critical? Do I always have to question everything? Do I use questions not to investigate truth, but to avoid having to think too deeply about my life? Jesus asks us, why do you question these things? Not every question is helpful. Are my questions truly open for an answer or have I presumed? That's the worst. I told you last week when I confessed 
my own friends and family have said, would you please let me finish my thought? Or that's not what I was going to say. And I'm like, oh, I presumed to know the answer. Do I toss a question to Jesus and then hold my hands stiff and at my side when he responds? Now we are born with curiosity and wonder about the world, right? It's what brings children so much joy is curiosity and wonder. But we experience disappointment and hurt. This is real. This is life on this planet. We, and then we start to interrogate everything in self-defense. Our hearts can make us deaf and blind to the kindness of God's promises. Perhaps we shield our hearts with questions to protect our wounds. Now, I'd like to make a point of clarification. I am not saying to not ask questions. I, that's a conversation is all about questions. We don't grow in relationship and we don't grow in our understanding if we don't ask questions, right? So please don't get that point. The point is, is what is, ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, what is fueling my questions? Might we ask questions looking into the eyes of love of God with hands open to receive? our eyes on the ball, our ears open, and our hearts are vulnerable in wonder and faith. The Lord is saying to me and the Lord is saying to you today, this is adapted from Ephesians 3.20, I am able to do far more abundantly than all you can ask or think in your heart according to the power, which is his power, God's power at work within you. We don't know what the Lord is gonna say. <laughs> we got to let the Lord finish his thoughts. So this, the devotional ended with this prayer. Lord, I yield to you all the questions that I have raised as barriers to believing in you, trusting you and following you. Not that I might become gullible and naive, but that I might be wise in truth and in faith. Amen, amen. Lydia, can you come on up here? So we're gonna have another. For those of you who don't know, if people watch this online, we get this everywhere from complete strangers to Lydia. Lydia is my niece. <laughs> I know she's my mini me, so everybody thinks she's my daughter. <laughs> but this is my niece. And um, she's been working with youth who are in the judicial system because of some of the wrong things they've done. And um, I think that beautiful picture of the cross, it's not just the wrong things they've done, it's because of the wrong things done to them. And they're trying to sort out how to live life. They've made some bad choices. Um, when I think of people who are disappointed and disillusioned, seen too much, responded in the wrong ways, are cynical or clinical, these youth, these youth in detention centers, they wreck my heart because this one comes home some days from work in tears with the pain and the suffering that she's witnessed there. But I'm not gonna say much more about it. Give us a summary. I've got questions for her. Give us a summary of your project and what you've been doing. 
Yeah, so I have spent the last year working with the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs. It goes by MCA for short. Um, I got involved in it through a justice advocacy cohort fellowship at the University of Utah. Um, and then in being partnered with MCA, I was asked to come up with a passion project at the beginning of the year. And I was like, well, I'm passionate about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to pick. Eventually, I was doing a lot of research about incarcerated youth and just their experiences, specifically their experiences here in Utah. And so um, the Writers Who Hope program is kind of the result of all of that. Um, this program was 12 weeks, and it was kind of sort of an art therapy program where we would go into detention centers so youth who have committed committed um, crimes that are of high level they often go to a detention center before they have spoken to a judge and from there they're placed elsewhere often they're sent to secure care which is youth prison or they're sent to an adult prison afterwards um so i was just doing a lot of research about art and um trauma and um, I was like, okay, well, what if we came up with a program where we walk them through writing and how to process their emotions, following a bunch of different prompts on community engagement and leadership and identity. And then through that, we use their stories to put together a magazine, which we can distribute to help encourage community engagement to get involved in the lives of these youth at detention centers, because often they find themselves there because of a lack of support in the first place, which leads to bad decisions. Um, so that's kind of what we did. <laughs> so why did you think this was an important project? I mean, there's so many reasons why I feel like it's important. Um, I'm a political science criminology major, for those of you who don't know me. So justice is like my thing. I love justice. Um, and so I had just been taking all of these classes and learning the statistics about their experiences, learning that incarcerated youth, when they leave within a year, they're 50% likely to be arrested again and 23% likely nationally to be reincarcerated and then to continue being incarcerated into adulthood and how that ripples and affects our society. Um, and so th there was that side of it. And um, then there was also just the side of, wow, like my heart grieves for a community that is often forgotten. They're literally tucked away behind walls. We don't see them, we don't interact with them. They don't make the news because they're youth and so they're a protected population, but they still have stories that are really valuable and can inform us as adults to be advocates for, their, for them. Okay, thank you. I forgot my next question. What did you learn? What did you experience, learn and feel when you listen to these youth? <laughs> I mean, like Aunt Sarah said, I would come home crying very often. <laughs> um, I learned that I'm extremely grateful for, for the family and the opportunities that I've been given that others haven't had the opportunity to receive from. Um, I learned about what it's like to be 14 and have to take care of your siblings while your parents are abusing drugs. I've learned about the lack of community and how that can lead to gangs and needing protection and finding that anywhere you can. And just the grief that they feel having to make those decisions of, do I do this and have rent or 
do I become homeless and let my sister go hungry? And just like the burden that these youth carried. Um, yeah, so I, I felt I felt heavy, but I also felt very hopeful at times because these youth are so eager to grow and to change and to learn and to become different. There was one conversation I had um, with one of the boys as we were working on a painting together. And he was like, I really want to see God. And I was like, oh, why do you want to see God? I'm like super excited, but I'm trying to keep it together because, you know, I'm working for the government. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, why do you want to see God? And he's like, well, I want to know if God will forgive me. Like, will he, will he forgive me? Can I change? Well, will he reject me? And like, those are questions that were frequently brought up as we were writing and drawing and reading the stories of, is there room for me to change? Will I be like my incarcerated parent? Will I hurt my siblings like I've been hurt? And just like the beauty that they're able to recognize that and want to do something differently and that they're asking those questions. I was like, yes, okay, knock me. Like the door will be opened, you will find the answer. And it, it made me really, hopeful amongst all of the grief and like the weight of their stories reading it day after day. Yeah. How do you think your listening helped the youth in this project that you did? How did that help the youth? Um, I think I saw them open up in ways that even the, the faculty and the staff there were so grateful for. Um, the staff at the center I worked at, they were like, hey, like these youth, like they're, they're kind of hard sometimes. Like it takes a while to crack them. It takes a while for them to open up. And then by the end of the session, we had multiple staff members coming up and being like, we saw them laugh. We saw them smile. Like, thank you for contributing this because without this, they would be in their cells. Um, and so that was really sweet. And then they also just, had really lovely reactions to the things we were talking about. We did one unit on poetry and we incorporated rap and rhythm because, you know, they love music and rap. And so one year he was just like phenomenal, phenomenal at, at rap and poetry. And so we were like, give us your stuff, like let us read it. And he just like sat there one time and was like, you really want to read this? And I was like, yes, I really want to read this. And he's like, nobody has ever wanted to read my work before. Nobody's wanted to know what I have to say. And that was really sweet to me. And then there was another time I was very adamant that we will give these kids something to celebrate about. So at the end of every unit, whether it was our fiction unit, our poetry unit, like whatever, we tried to host a little celebration. And so one of the days we brought in um, the pie and they specifically asked for like all of the meat. So we just bought a bunch of really big, huge pie pizzas, mountain of meat, and they were all super excited. And we were like, do you know why we brought this? And, you know, we were going to say, like, congrats, you finished the unit. Um, but one of the kids just, like, interrupted us and said, it's because you love us. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, 17. And I don't know if you know very many 17-year-old boys that will outright say, you love us. That's why you're doing this. And mm -hmm. just, like, that, I mean, I was trying to impress all of them because I was like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. Engage with me. Work with me. But had had I not, I probably would have just weeped right there in that moment, because that's like what we came to do. We came to show them that they are loved and seen. Yeah. Yeah. 
what has this experience taught you about God? And how, how do you see things differently, maybe from a spiritual perspective? Um, I actually, I have a verse that I wanted to pull up. Um, it's funny because this verse was like my bio on Instagram for ages, and I didn't realize like how significant this would be to this journey, but um, it comes from um, Psalms 34, um, and it says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. And I think the Lord is close to the brokenhearted was something that like really stuck with me. Um, Cause this has been like a progression for me to end up coming to this project. It first was started in high school when I went to Indonesia and was a translator at a women's prison. And I was translating all of the stories of the women to the whole team. And that left me just like, oh, like, okay, God, we need you. Like, we really, really, really need you right now. <laughs> um, and then just how the Lord has like moved in my life to, to get to this one small group of kids. And I'm just like, God is so intentional and faithful to make sure that this specific group of kids knows that they are close and cared for. Um, and I think I learned, um, actually through talking about this a lot with Uncle Aaron, um, that Jesus was a man of sorrows and that Jesus saw everything and didn't fix everything. And that, that balance of like, how do I move forward walking and trusting in God and grieving and having hope. And that's something I'm still wrestling and learning. And, but I think I just recognize like, God, God does hear us. God does meet us and God, cares about making sure we have little moments of pizza and fun and <laughs> um yeah just to feel seen and loved thank you so much thank you yeah let's say thank you to lydia i just feel like the lord is speaking to us so beautifully today um even lance's um i'm i'm gonna just like be thinking about that all week about the bad things done to us, the bad things we've done, just resting in the Lord and being the reflection of his presence to those around us. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for weaving all these stories together in such a beautiful way. If we're the body of Christ, if we're created in his image, if we're his sons and daughters, we look like him, we love because he first loved us. And everywhere we go, we're, we're, Lydia is Jesus in that workplace, reflecting God's heart for us. You are Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a, a son or a daughter of God, you reflect God's image everywhere you go. The ways we listen and love and the ways we listen and love are as diverse as the ways God listens to us. So I'm just gonna you know, finish the next, the next few minutes before noon with just examples of how God 
listens to us. I feel teary-eyed because I know the passion that Lydia carries and, and, and other people carry for the people they love. I think about Kelly Jo and adoption. She's just like waiting for these girls, for the court system to go through so she can adopt. I just, God hears us when we are suffering. When God's people were in bondage as slaves in Egypt, it says the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. God hears us when we're under the thumb of unjust and cruel, greedy taskmasters. God hears us. God hears us in our suffering when we're under the hands of violent people and in systems of bondage. God hears us when we are distressed. Psalm 18:6. David said, In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help, and he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. My cries reach his ears. God hears us even when we haven't listened. And God sends help. At camp this week, the speaker, Jim, he spoke about Gideon and the Israelites. They were in this promised land, and there were these enemy marauders, these enemy um, people who would come into their land and steal everything from them. So they were impoverished, they were hungry, they were thirsty, they were wounded. They got in this position, by the way, God's people got in this position because they didn't listen to God and they were disobedient. So let's read from that passage in Judges 6, verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, those bad guys, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. God is so faithful. No matter where we're at, when we cry out to him, he sends word to us. And this is what he says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Don't worship those other gods in whose land you live, but you haven't listened to me. I mean, they were there ignoring God. But nonetheless, God sends Gideon to help the Israelites. God promises them throughout the long story. It's three chapters, so I'm not going to read it all right now. He says, I'm with you. I've got strength for you. I'm going to help you. I will be with you. Even when we've disobeyed, even when we've done everything, God's like, I'm here. I'm here. I'm tossing balls at you. Tossing balls at you. God is kind, patient, generous with us always desiring to restart the conversation. I brought this little bag this morning. God's bag is endless. The balls he tosses to us. God hears us when everyone else shushes us. He stops, he has compassion. Let's look at Matthew 20. This is a story about Jesus with all the crowds following him. 
It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. I, I should shout, but I don't want to startle you all. Maybe I will. The crowd rebuked them and said to them, be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. It was loud. It was above the crowd. It was above the sound. It was above the noise. Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you? He asked them a question. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus hears us when everyone else shushes us. He stops, he has compassion. There are multiple references to Jesus healing the deaf and the mute, lots of them. I couldn't pick a scripture. Jesus heals us when we cannot hear and cannot speak. Have you ever been to that place where you're just like, I'm showing up here on Sunday because I know it's good for me to be in community, but I've got nothing. Jesus hears the nothing and it means something to him. And he heals us. God doesn't just hear us, but God feels with us and understands us when we are grieving. God feels and understands those youth in detention. God feels and hears us when our families are messed up and making bad choices. And I just, just this week, people tell me about their family choices that are really difficult. And I'm like, God is with us. God hears us. God is here. God is paying attention to this. He understands when we are grieving. When John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, dies unjustly at the hands of Herod, it says in Matthew 14 that John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. And as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. I mean, that's how much Jesus was feeling this. That even Jesus had to be alone. Jesus modeled that for us, it's okay. And then Jesus always came back, but it's okay to grieve. When Lazarus dies, John eleven thirty five. 35, there's tons of emotion in that passage. But the shortest verse in the Bible that we have, it's easy to memorize you all. If you need to memorize a scripture, you can start here. Jesus wept. The reference is longer than the verse. <laughs> Jesus wept. We have permission to feel the conversation. The Holy Spirit is right here feeling with us. God hears us when we deserve to die, when we've done wrong. Think about the two thieves on the cross. One is so bitter, disappointed, disillusioned, and cynical that he joins in the mockery of Jesus and he asks a cynical, disappointed question. Aren't you the Messiah? Come on, Messiah, save yourself and us. 
But the other criminal protests in Luke 23, it says, the other criminal protested and said, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus hears me, he hears you. Even when the things we've done deserve punishment, when we cry out to him, he wasn't looking at the man's crimes. I heard Caleb told me this from youth camp. He was looking at him. Remember me. God hears us from heaven in our prayers. God hears us from the cross when we cry out to him. And finally, God hears us from heaven and our prayers reach out beyond time and space. The book of Revelation is this big giant book about God and eternity and all of the stuff that's hard to comprehend. But there's a scene in heaven when John, the apostle John sees these living beings and elders and they're all falling down and worship before the lamb of God who is Jesus. And it says that each elder had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Until the end of time, until a time in eternity, which we can't begin to comprehend, our prayers are held in gold bowls. That's how precious your questions are, your thoughts, your prayers, all the things are that precious. So in conclusion, God hears you. And we love because God loved us, right? We listen because God listens to us. God listened to Michelle. <laughs> She's like, this baptism thing, I, should I, should I? She's just like, I don't know. God heard the unique desires of her heart and then spoke to her once in a class, randomly, you should be baptized. She's like, oh, I heard God say it. But then she's like, I don't wanna do it the old way. And God just provides her this way to be baptized with her friends and family. How beautiful. God listened to the youth in the detention centers. God cares about them. God sent Lydia to them. God cares about the people where you work. God is sending you to them. You are sent to your neighborhoods, your families, and your workplaces, your schools. You are the listener like God. Don't let the disappointments of the hurt of the past rob you from coming to Jesus today because God hears us. He hears us when we suffer. He hears us in distress. He hears us when we're rebellious and don't listen. God hears us when we're grieving, when we cannot hear or speak a word. God hears us when we've been shushed. God heard us from the cross, and God hears us from the heavens. God is listening. Amen. Could we stand? Lord, I'm just so thankful. <laughs> I love your voice. 
And I love the voice of the people in this room, just even in worship when we could, when I hear the voices, I turned around, who's that I hear behind me? I heard a distinct voice. And I just pray for each person in this room, each person listening online, that you would bless them with ears to hear and hearts to receive, that you would minister to the places in them where they can't speak, where they feel deaf or mute, or where they feel distressed, or the suffering is too great, or the grief, or the rebellion. Lord, speak, speak to us, Lord. We wanna, Lord, I just say on my behalf and on anyone who wants to agree with me, I wanna hear your voice. I wanna respond to you. I want to be in relationship with you. I wanna walk with you and talk with you and hear from you. I open my life. We open our lives as a community. We wanna continue to walk in hearing your voice and hearing the voice of those around us like you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you are like, what are these people talking about? <laughs> this is all very foreign to me. We would love to talk with you and tell you more about Jesus, the God who listens. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, to experience eternal life, an assurance of salvation, like we talked about during communion, raise your hand if you would like to talk to that person in here. Raise your hand if you are available to talk to those people who wanna know. There's one, there's one, here's one, Zoe, here's one, Meg, there's one over there. Lots of people and people here at this prayer table would love to talk with you and meet with you and pray with you. If you have any other area where you would like prayer and like to be heard, we are here and ready to pray with you. And online, you can reach out via email. God bless you all. Have a great week.